Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. Hey, Fox River, how are you doing today? Online community, good to see you out there. Isn't it exciting to be able to be outside again? Now, this is kind of like a reflection back here. As we were thinking about everything shutting down, everything being canceled, a couple of people on our team said, what if we just took the services outside? And we just kind of scratched our head and thought like, well, that might work. And the next thing we know, we found ourselves in the midst of God doing some things that were just, you know, truly amazing. In fact, we last year experienced 20 weeks in a row in which we were able to do weather outside or do service outside. Can you remember a summer that we had 20 Sundays in a row that you could do service outside? I really think that that was a part of just this blessing of God that we saw. But that was last year. And as we come to this new year, we are doing so with an even greater expectation of that which God has for us. In fact, when we think about the unstoppable factor that Jesus has put into his church and that we get to be a part of it, I hope it gets all of our hearts going just a little bit more. I hope it gets all of us just leaning in just a little bit more to go like, I can be a part of that as well. And that is exactly what Jesus wants for each and every one of us. Now, I want to ask you today, which would you consider to be more important? What you do or why you do it? Now, I'm sure, given the opportunity to have some conversation, we would have some really interesting thoughts that are brought out. In fact, you have pretty good debate that would go on over the, is it more important what you do or actually why you do it? But if we were to add two words to that, those two words being to God, which is more important to God, what you do or why you do it, I think all of us are going to be in agreement together on that. To God, it's not what you do that is nearly as important as why you're doing what you're doing. And there is actually a shocking story that Luke, who is both a historian as well as a physician, shares with us about what happened in the early church. It's found in Acts chapter 5, so if you happen to have a Bible with you right now, I'm going to ask you just to open it up there, or grab your phone and open up your Bible app to Acts chapter 5. We're actually going to back it up just a few verses into chapter 4, so we get an idea of what's taking place, and it's kind of the setup for us that way. In Acts 4, I'm going to start with verse number 33. So if you got that on your phones, just look at it with me as we go through it. We read, And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, here's an example. 
Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, real quickly, so that we um, understand what's taking place right here. Barnabas, we're going to find a little bit more out about in the book of Acts as it continues to progress on. He was an owner of land on Cyprus. Cyprus was an island. In fact, you could think of Cyprus like um, one of the Hawaiian islands. And the property that he sold would have been one similar to what would be in like Honolulu, Hawaii today. Now, if you're familiar with Honolulu, you know that land there doesn't sell by the acre. In Honolulu, land sells by the square yard. And it doesn't sell for thousands, it just, the price just goes up. So this land that Barnabas sold, it didn't simply net thousands of dollars, it would have netted millions of dollars. And Barnabas takes all that he gets from the sale of the land, he comes to the apostles and he says, I want you to have it, I want you to have it all. I want you to have it for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus, and I want you to have this for the needs that are in the church right now. Now, when this word was known to people, and people talk, right? People talk. When this happened, it just lit up social media. I mean, everybody knew and everybody was commenting on what it was that Barnabas had done. There was inspiration from it. People were just so encouraged. Now we come to Acts 5. A man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not just lied to human beings, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Like, that's an understatement, isn't it? Take an offering, somebody drops dead. Then some of the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in. Now, you might be wondering, why was his wife three hours late? Remember, this is real people in real places. I mean, these are like, his wife was out shopping, right? I mean, there was a church presentation that was going to go on, and she wanted to make sure that she was, she was ready for it. Now, not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. That is the price. And Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell at his feet and died. And then the young man came in, finding her dead, carried out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. And again, we're like, for sure. But verse 14 goes on. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord, and they were added to their numbers. Now, once we get past the initial shock of what's actually happened in this church service that's going on, and if this is your first time hearing this story, you're going like, that really happened? And it's like, 
Absolutely. Once we get by that and processing it, there is such an important lesson that each and every one of us need to take away from this, and it is something that you and I are going to be using in our lives this week. Let me give you our bottom line, which is this. What's in your heart matters. What's in my heart matters. It matters now, and it's going to matter in the future as well. Would you just say this with me? What's in my heart matters. In fact, God's comment on this. As the Lord himself speaks to Samuel. He said, people judge others by what they look like, but I judge people by what is in their hearts. Now, God knew what was in Barnabas's heart. He knew that when he gave, that his heart was that of, I want to honor you, God. I love you, Jesus. I want to see your work go forward that way. And as a result of that, there were literally, by Barnabas' life, by his gift, thousands and thousands of people that were impacted by it. God also knew what was in the heart of Ananias and Sapphira. Each of them. Ananias, Sapphira, Barnabas, each of them were born again believers in Jesus. Each of them happened to be people of means. In other words, they had the wherewithal that they could sell a property worth a lot of money and be able to bring that to God. Now, for clarity's sake, were Ananias and Sapphira required to sell their property? Yes or no? No, they were not. Were they required once they did sell the property to come and to give all the money to church? Yes or no? No, they were not, were they? They could have given 90%. They could have given 50%. And they would have been blessed. And they would have been honored by God, by the people of the church that way. But what they did instead was upon selling the property, and again, this property netted a lot of money. So much so that they thought, we can give this huge amount of money and still keep some of it back for ourselves. Nobody's going to know the difference. It's so much money that's being given, and we're going to be honored just like Barnabas was honored that way as well. Question. Which do you think would be easier to do? Would it be easier for you to tithe from $200 or to tithe from $2 million? If you're tithing from $200, it would be giving a $20 gift to church. You could do that, right? If you were tithing from $2 million, you'd be giving $200,000 to church. Anybody have any second thoughts about that? Kind of like, that's a lot of money. Like, what's the church gonna do with all that money that way? Well, they were looking at all this money and this love for money, the love for stuff, the security that they thought they were going to be able to pull with it, they're like, we're just going to hold some back and pretend, kind of put out this deception, that we gave it all. Now, did God know what was in Ananias and Sapphira's heart? He did. God, God knew that. God not only knew the truth as to what they were doing, but he knew the why that was behind the truth. 
in what they were doing. And it is that why that caused the response of God. What did God do? How did God respond to Ananias and Sapphira and what was taking place? This is the part that you don't want to miss. This is the part, if you're taking a note, you go like, I want to make sure that I write this part down. When Ananias and Sapphira conceived of doing this act, the Holy Spirit of God convicted them. The Holy Spirit of God pricked their conscience. The Holy Spirit spoke into their lives saying, don't do this. Don't pull your spouse. Don't put your spouse in this compromising situation. This is not the way you gain influence in the church. And in order for them to go ahead and do what they did, it would require that they would have to grieve the Holy Spirit and they would have to harden their hearts to the Spirit of God. Which is exactly what happened. This is what God speaks to us about today. You see, not only do we read these words from Acts chapter 5, but in Ephesians 4, God speaks out this, saying, And do not grieve the Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit himself says this, Hebrews 3. He said, Today, if you'll hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Don't just push off that which I'm speaking into you about. You see, this is what the Holy Spirit is continuing to do in each and every one of our lives here. Everybody that's opened yourself up to Jesus, you are indwelt by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God has made the commitment that he will speak in your life. Jesus said this is one of the primary ministries of the Spirit of God today, to help us, to guide us in truth, to convict us if we are getting off that path, if we're allowing our heart to begin to have this darkness that permeates it rather than being filled with the light there. When we're tempted to sin, that is, to do that, which we know, I know God doesn't want me to do, to lie, to deceive, to, you know, act out on this love of money, to feed my lust, to act in unkindness to somebody else, just to have this indifference of spirit over me. When that takes place, God's spirit is the one that is making our conscience uncomfortable. He's speaking in us with this clarity that brings us to a response. You see, what we ultimately end up doing is going to be a reflection of our heart. Listening to the Spirit of God allows this light to continue on, to be filled within us. Yet there are times that we want more, whatever it is that we want, then we want to honor God. And we're willing to say no to God, no to the Spirit, grieve Him just to be able to do or get what we want. You've experienced this. I've experienced it. This conviction of the Holy Spirit when that's taken place. It wasn't too long ago that I was in an argument with Denise, my wife. Actually, it wasn't an argument. It was just a fight. And this fight was kind of, it was starting to stretch out over days that it was going on. And because this is being recorded, I should say, 
I'm sure it wasn't anything big that I'd done. And I'm sure it was just some, you know, act of righteousness that I was standing for. But the spirit was unmistakable. The conviction of acting in pride, speaking cutting and sharp words, just an unloving attitude that I had in me. And if that wasn't bad enough, then the Holy Spirit brings this verse to my mind from Ephesians 5, which says, Husbands, love your wife just as Jesus loves the church and gave himself for it. And when he did that, and it was just this crystal clear, I mean, it was like those words were just like out in front of me. I thought to myself, crap, I wish I didn't know the Bible. <laughs> I am that bad. <laughs> but I was faced with a decision in that moment in which I was just going to continue on and go, no to the Spirit and do what I wanted, or yes, and repent. I'm so glad to say at that time that I chose to repent, to go, to ask forgiveness of God, to ask forgiveness of Denise in my life. Every time we say yes to the Spirit, big or small, it makes us more sensitive to God. It actually allows more of the light of God to dwell within our hearts, within our soul. Just as every time that we say no, it desensitizes us to God. That's what it means to have, you know, this dark heart or to have a heart that it doesn't have the light of the Spirit of God that is shining forth in it that way. I'm convinced that if we, we who are married, if we would just listen to the Spirit of God in our lives and say yes to Him, we would transform our marriages and we could all but bulletproof them from divorce. And when we don't, well, we know that result that comes out as a result of that. With your relationships, when we're at work, this is such an important truth for us to get. Remember I said, this is something that we're going to be using this week in our lives. What do we do when in honesty we go, actually, there is an area that I have been saying no. There is an area that I've been grieving the Spirit of God. I'm not happy with this word picture that I see in front of me, but it is, in fact, it's the truth. And God tells us this, that if we will confess our sin, that is, agree with God, that God is faithful to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word cleanse there means to resensitize. God not only forgives us, but he will restore within us a tender heart toward him. And that promise is in front of us today. I try to be really careful. I want to encourage you to be really careful when we read in Acts chapter 5 that we don't get too judgy in our lives. We can look at Ananias and Sapphira and go like, you dopes, you idiot. Like, how could you do what you did? When the truth of the matter is, there have been times that I have grieved the Spirit of God in my life. I've just lived to be able to repent of it. Ever wonder? You may be wondering right now. Why did God react in the way that he did? Why was God's response so strong? You might be thinking over the top right now. And I love those questions. In fact, that's one of the reasons that we'll continue to ask you 
to plead with you. Make sure that you're in a group of some sort that you can ask those questions and you can interact with others. If you're not in a group, I hope this week you'll get in an unstoppable discussion group. At the end, you're going to see the QR code up here. You can just snap that, and it'll take you to the, the place where you can get into one of these groups. You can ask some of the questions that you've got after hearing the things that you've heard today. But God's response, you see, it was a clear proclamation of how much Jesus loves people and how much he loves his church. These two perspectives help us to understand a little bit more about the what and the why and God's heart with it. You've got this, we'll call it the eternal perspective or kind of an above perspective, heavenly perspective. What God did was that he brought Ananias and Sapphira, his children, home to heaven. He didn't send them to hell, didn't put them in purgatory to teach them a lesson. In fact, they were able to repent face to face with God. They began an eternity of joy and of wonder and of continual discovery with Jesus himself. Don't ever forget this eternal perspective that God has. Now, from the earthly side, from our side, kind of like the below side, we need this perspective, and that is that hypocrisy destroys. Hypocrisy destroys us. Hypocrisy kind of destroys everything that it comes in contact with. That is pretending to be something on the outside when on the inside, that is not what you are in the least. Now, I want you just to take a moment and just let's say together, hypocrisy destroys, right? Just to kind of like open ourselves up to it. Everybody say it with me, hypocrisy, it destroys. If Ananias and Sapphira had just gone on and nothing happened to them, their influence would have grown because of the great gift that they had given. They may have become leaders in the church just like Barnabas became a leader. And when their hypocrisy came to light, and mark it down, our hypocrisy always comes to light. Sometimes it's a little bit of time, sometimes it's more time, but it always comes to light. And when it came to light, the destruction that it would have caused in that early church, the damage that it would have been done would have been devastating to it. Today, number one reason that people will say, I'm not going to go to church because the church is filled with, want to say it with me? The church is filled with, ever said that, ever heard that said to you before? People will say, I'm not going to come to Jesus. I'm not going to become a Christian because they know somebody who is, or at least claims to be, and they are, in fact, a hypocrite before them. If there was a surefire way for us to destroy our kids' faith, it would be to say one thing at church and then to go home and act in a, in a different way. To proclaim the love of Jesus when you're at church and go home and act in a way that is contrary to it and, and respond to them that way. Many today, so many, we're still, you know, we try to, you know, help with healing of people that have gone through that. And they're still trying to be able to reclaim a faith that was lost because of hypocrisy that they experienced in their home. At work you may have. In your neighborhood you may have. So here's what we need to do. 
We need to stop pretending. We need to take off that mask of perfect. We need to stop putting on the front that we don't have problems, that we don't have struggles just like other people have as well. And when we fail, and when we lose our temper, when we react in anger, we need to go to whoever it was that we did that with and ask them to forgive us and to confess that before God and to confess that before others. If you happen to be listening today, haven't received Jesus yet as your Savior, and the reason, or one of the reasons you haven't, is because you know somebody Claims to be a Christian, and they are quite hypocritical in how they're acting to you and acting to others. And that's your reason. I just want to say to you, I'm sorry that that's been your experience, but would you please shift your focus? Would you shift your focus from some flawed follower of Jesus to Jesus himself? Would you look at the one who is willing to come to give up all that he had to empty himself, even going to the cross to pay for our sin for us. The resurrected Jesus, the one today that knows everything that is in your heart and still says, I love you and I'm calling to you to allow me to do what only I can do, a forgiving, a transforming work in your life, would you call upon the name of Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus, I just want to remind you of this again, that what's in your heart matters. As we come to communion in just a moment or two, Jesus himself brings this point home to us each and every time we do it. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight says this, that let a man examine himself and then let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You see, we could play the hypocrite even in doing something as meaningful, as worshipful as communion and go away worse for it. Or we can come with an openness a yielding, a saying yes to the Spirit of God and allow it to draw us even closer to Him. So before we do communion, I just want to invite you to join with me in this prayer and for everyone that hasn't yet trusted Jesus to do that today. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus, for your great love for us and for the fact knowing everything there is in the deepest, darkest parts of our lives, our shame and our guilt. That's what you come to relieve us from, to forgive us for, and to give us freedom. For all of our friends here, they have been focused on the wrong thing. And now as they focus on you, Jesus, in repentance of their sin, their prayer is this, Jesus, Would you forgive me? Would you save me? And would you do this transforming work that I'm hearing about today? Now, if that's your prayer, if you're online, if you're here, if you're watching later, I just want to ask you right now, would you, with boldness, would you just lift the hand if today is the day that you are asking Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Wherever you're at, just lift it up. Yep. 
wave at me a little bit. That's fine. Online, just indicate it there. Jesus, thank you for your saving grace. These will never be the same. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking up residence in us. We are not the same. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. Most of us got on the way in communion today. If you're at home online, if you want to grab those elements right now that you'll be using. If you did not get one of the communion cups today, if you would lift your hand up, we're going to have Usher come to you as quick as they can. If they're not seeing you, just stand up where you're at. They'll get that, and then you can sit back down again. While we're being served, there are two elements and two ways that I'm going to ask you to examine yourself today. If you push down on the tab, it's going to open up that cellophane on the top, and you're going to be able to take out the bread. Would you do that, please? And once you have the bread in your hands, listen to these words of Jesus. This is my body, which has been broken for you. Every time you eat this, would you remember me? And the examination that I want you to do right now before we eat, holding this in our hands, is answer this question. Is there anything that I am saying no to God in my life about? Is there anything now as the Spirit of God speaks to me that I'm saying no to God over? And if there is, you're at a crossroads. And if there is, would you repent? And would you say yes to God? Having examined ourselves, let's take the bread, reminding us of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus went on to say, again, after giving thanks, this blood, this cup is the blood of the new covenant with God made for you. Every time you drink it, would you remember me? And as we hold a sacred memory in our hands, just how much does Jesus love us? The second way I want to examine ourselves today is this. Am I saying yes? Because it is one thing to say no to God, but you can say no to God or not say no to God and not say yes to Him. Is there something you know God wants you to do? It might be believer's baptism. It might be stepping back into that place of serving Jesus. It might be whatever it is that you know that it is. Will you say yes to the one who has given his all for us, our God? Let's open it up. And having examined our heart, and with a heart pure before God, let's drink together. Again, we thank you, Jesus, for who you are, for doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. 
and being an active part in our lives to this day. Our lives can and will be so much better when we say yes to you. When we don't say no to you, Holy Spirit, and grieve you. Help us to go forth living in light of this truth today. We pray in your name. And again, all God's people said, Amen. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.